Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, guys, welcome back to another week of Brown Ambition. Yes, happy Valentine's Day. Well, it just passed, but still, just sharing the love. It's so nice that it came on a three-day weekend. I know, it did, right? I mean, yeah. no, it's really like a four-day because people had Friday, like kids had Friday and um, Monday. Say what? For what? Um, I think somebody's birthday. I don't know, like um, Supergirl had Friday off and she had Monday off. Oh, so. interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, grown-ups only had three days off. <laughs> it was so freaking cold. What is happening? I know. Honestly, like, they said it was the coldest. I think last night they said it was the coldest it had been in 20 years in New York. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Really? It was like negative a million degrees is how it felt. <laughs> I'm telling you, we walked down the street just to, like, get our morning coffee. And I was like, I was, I've never, I, I, through like a five-year-old's temper tantrum. I was kicking. <laughs> I was like, get me back home. I'm never doing this again. Why'd you bring me out here? Oh, Lord have mercy. You were talking about your V-Day. And like, yeah. what? you guys had a good V-Day. I had a good, but what do you feel about people who hate on V-Day? I don't, I just don't get it. I'm like, it just seems that it doesn't matter what you think about whether or not somebody should enjoy that holiday. I mean, I get that it's been highly commercialized, obviously. It's just, it's a quote-unquote made-up holiday. And then, I guess I do believe that you should show love 365 days a year. But it's to me, it's just like with everything else. If someone decides that they want to enjoy Valentine's Day, I never was a big Valentine's Day person. But if I'm with someone who you know, likes to do stuff for Valentine's Day, I'm open to that. I just, I never understood why people care so much how people celebrate their holidays as long as they're not like sacrificing puppies like why do you care <laughs> you know I think it's just and I feel is even though I've been with someone like even for me going into Rite Aid or Dwayne Reed and seeing just like the Valentine's Day explosion like even I cringe because it's crazy um, but I think it's I'm not down for like I don't ever I don't, I'm not down for the box of heart-shaped chocolates and the giant teddy bear like what do you, what is an adult woman going to do with like a 35 pound teddy bear <laughs> yeah, that- i saw someone i saw a man purchase this in Rite Aid the other day yes. and they literally had to put it inside two trash bags that's how big it was it's just i What's mean a grown woman gonna, tr- where is she gonna put that <laughs> apartments are small yes is it gonna sit on the couch like where is it gonna <laughs> yeah, go? the teddy bear is paying right now because <laughs> you're taking up just as much space as a roommate <laughs> like, no like- you're right though those things are kind of ridiculous and i feel like i did see one woman which i thought was hilarious she must have gotten one of those teddy bears she gutted it so she cut out the bag 
took out all the stuffing and she put it on and totally sat on the couch and scared her boyfriend, which I thought was hilarious. Wait, wait. She put it on like she put herself inside of it? Yeah, she took, she cut the back of the teddy bear like a slit, pulled out the stuffing. Well, enough of it anyway, That's so she could fit party. in and um, put it on and like sat like sat on the couch and sat inside of it and proceeded to scare the living daylights out of wow. anybody who walked by. I her. will go really far to scare someone. That sounds like <laughs> something I would do. I will sit. I when I was in college, I used to crawl. You know, when you in college, we had bed risers, like the little things you put your bed on, so you can put stuff underneath. Oh it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was really easy to slip under a bed, and I would wait. Like one day, I waited two hours for my roommate to come home. <laughs> Just so I could snatch her ankles. <laughs> or I would hide in the shower and wait and oh flush the toilet. Like, I will wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love scaring people. Yeah, that was hilarious. I was like, that's to me, that's the only thing I could see one of those bear things being of use for. Like, to just gut it, wear it, and scare people, and then be like, okay, I'm good. It's like, I spent $55 on that. <laughs> it does seem so ridiculous, but... Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I had a good V-Day. We didn't do anything, like, over the top. We went to a comedy show, which was a lot of fun. And we just, like, I made dinner. But I always make dinner, so that wasn't, like, huge. But I was just like, hey. I tried a new recipe, which I personally... Have you, has this ever happened to you, that you tried a recipe and you thought, great, this is disgusting, and they've liked it? Um, no. <laughs> the opposite <laughs> usually happens. I'm like, yo, this is the bomb! <laughs> and he's like, mm. <laughs> soup <You know>. again <laughs> no i was so nervous so super mom came over so super mom so superman has a daughter Supergirl, and she's got a mom who's awesome super mom so she came over earlier like she came over to pick up Supergirl, but Supergirl and superman they were not home so she and i were just chatting and like so i'm always cooking so she came over and she's a really good cook too so i was like taste this super mom what do you think she's like it's not bad tiffany i think it just Needs to like settle in the pot. I was like, oh, that's your way of saying it's disgusting. We're trying to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily, but possibly. I know. And then like I was so nervous because Superman is not one of those guys who says, babe, it tastes good when it doesn't. You know, some guys do that. Like, it's really yeah. good. No, he's one of those. Yeah, this is not good. But I gave it to him and he was like, this is so good. I was like, you don't you don't have to be nice. He's like, you know, I'm not nice about food. This is really good. And I went and tasted it like maybe. Maybe it did settle? No, it did not. I don't know what he was eating, but he liked it, so. <laughs> good, now he can eat the whole thing. Exactly. I was like, whew, good, because I don't The day feel- that I realized that all my significant other, all he wanted in the world was, like, a croissant or a sausage egg and cheese on a roll or, like, peanut butter and jelly, the day that I realized that was, the, was like, a, an awakening for me. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to do, like, oh, mm-hmm. let me do this, like – fancy stew and make the pot roast and like stuff not that I cook that often or like all the time but when I do I'm like oh I'm really gonna impress him with this like all the man wants is a grilled cheese (laughs) isn't that so crazy when you think about I mean like I'd say Superman has varied tastes like I if I try something a little fancier he's open to it like even Supergirl I'm always surprised at what she's willing to eat I'm like you really eat quinoa because we've like eliminated like all the white rice from our diet so we use brown rice which I'm not a super fan of but last time I made it was actually pretty good we use brown rice and quinoa you know we don't when I first came they ate a lot of red meat we don't anymore they ate a lot of pork we don't anymore like I totally have transformed our diet to be healthier and they've been you know they've been troopers so that's one of the reasons why I try so hard for things to taste good because I've, tr- you know, I've taken out kind of like all the inherently, like inherently bad for you, I guess, foods right. and like switched it with things that are better for you and, but don't necessarily taste better. So I've been really working hard to make it taste better. 
And so you took the leadership role in that, right? Yeah, I did because I was like – Do you ever feel like all that pressure to like control what the household eats? I feel like I'm falling into that and it just bothers me a little bit. I'm going to be honest. Really? If I don't cook the healthy food – Oh, yeah. Other things will get eaten that are not healthy. Chicken yeah, nuggets, no, for sure. You know what I mean? And it yep. bothers me. I'm like, why can't? But there's ingredients. You can just make a salad. He's like, I don't know. I don't see them all together in front of me. That sounds like a lot of work. McDonald's is down the street, you know. Oh, my God. Like, honestly, one of his regular, one of Superman's regular meals was turkey roni. Don't ask me what that was. <laughs> Wait, was that like a tuna noodle, like the tuna roni, like the the... What's yes, like with in the box or like yeah, but it was a whole mosh posh of like, and I'm like sugar. Sugar is an ingredient in mm. in um in spaghetti sauce. I don't even. It was just a lot going on, and I really what the reason why I took over is because I had gained like ten pounds the first six months, oh. and I was like, yeah, so no, I can't live like this. Something something is happening because he Superman is naturally slim, and I was just like, okay, Tiffany, you have to take control the only part i don't mind the cooking i actually enjoy cooking because it's actually very therapeutic for me what i do not enjoy is food shopping but i cannot send him anymore because he comes back with like the same old stuff that we can't mm, i can't preach. make yeah like i love being home and wanting something like the other day i was like oh my god i want ice cream and if, if I send him food shopping, there would be like four types of ice cream for me to choose from and indulge in. But because I go food shopping now, there were not there wasn't. And what I do had is I had frozen bananas. So I made my frozen banana ice cream, which is just frozen banana, a little bit of um, almond milk and whatever flavor you want. Like I, you can use unsweetened cocoa powder. You can use raw. I use raw almond butter and unsweetened cocoa powder. And it was so good. It tasted like uh, chocolate peanut butter ice cream. And I got my ice cream without actually having ice cream. Now, like I said, if Superman went shopping, I would have been, you know, two elbows deep in Tallini ice cream. Oh, and that's my jam. Talenti? Talenti, that's what oh. it is. <laughs> Five bucks a pint and worth every what? penny. What? Every freaking penny. But I, I'm just... So good. <laughs> but yeah, it does... Don't talk it. to me about ice cream right now. I'm on the worst freaking diet right now. I mean, it's good, but it's so bad. I can't, there's literally nothing I can eat except you know for I mean? vegetables and meat. Yeah. It's uh, it's called the Whole Thirty program. There's a book about it. It's called It Starts with Food, okay. and I've been reading it. The whole philosophy is really just about rethinking the way you eat food without getting too much into it and stripping down everything to the bare basics and taking out anything, and I mean anything with added sugar. Do you oh. know what sugar is in everything? Everything, everything oh, you want, deal. everything you thought was healthy, sugars in it. Yeah, and it's it not is. just like you can't. You can have like things like fruit juice, which has sugar in it naturally, but not added sugar. So okay. it's all about the added sugar. Um, and it's been really freaking difficult, especially living with someone who's, as I speak, out there chowing down in a giant cupcake. Because <laughs> he's like, uh, this, I'm not here for this. Yeah, that's you. That's <laughs> so, you in your life. <laughs> but it's only 30 days. I'm trying it out. You know, I, I'm feeling a lot more energetic. But okay. it's the weekends like this where it's freaking cold out and all I want mm-hmm. is just like a big hunk of bread and some soup. And like this is the struggle. A glass of wine. I can't have wine. Like... Uh, and we went, we visited his mom's and his mom and dad today mm-hmm. and his mom loves to cook. She loves to feed you. And I was like, mm, let me, let me predict how many times I'm going to offend your mother today because <laughs> I can't eat this. I can't eat that. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But you know what? Like she was fine for me being picky about the food. What really got her is when she made us tea, like fresh tea from lemongrass and mint, which was delicious oh. on its own. And I said, oh no, no sugar. She lost her mind. Really? Yes. She was like, she was so much so that she was on the phone with somebody. And she was like, you'll never believe my son's woman. Cause she calls me her son's woman for some reason. Uh, <laughs> did not want sugar in her tea. I can't believe it. 
Oh wow. my gosh! So oh my gosh! I love the first of all. I'm not sure whether it's a giggle at first. The fact that you're her son's woman, or the fact that the fact it's that just, you didn't want it's like sugar. a Spanish saying. Yeah, it's kind of like saying. No, it. no. Believe me, no. <laughs> I'm African. That is so typical. Like, if even when you're just dating someone, they'll just be like, "Such as such as wife said." I mean, the wife could be a a doctor. She could have healed cancer, and you will always be, "Oh, such as such wife." <laughs> so believe me I understand that culture yeah. but yeah that's just funny that that's the thing that that took her over the edge the sugar in the tea she she was appalled I was like but I in my real life even before this I didn't take sugar in my tea I digress um speaking of red lobster can we talk about <laughs> can we talk about uh the fact that since Beyonce single dropped red lobster sales skyrocketed 33 percent what 33%. That is the power of Beyonce. Yeah. She needs to be giving her money, real money. No, for real. I just, it. that is just influence. Like, I always said that, you know, when I was growing my brand, the budget, and he said that I would love influence over fame. That, you know, I don't want to be someone who can't walk down the street or anything like that. Not that I'm anywhere near close to that. Um, that, but I much rather influence. Like, I'm like, hey, Let's budget and people do. Or let's save money and people do. So that's just critical. Wow, that's awesome. She has the, it's the power of the bee. Yeah, that is, wow. I'm looking at some headlines I was saving over the week. Oh, I saw this cool, there's a new study out that shows that women, when women are in company leadership positions, the companies have stronger profits. Mm, would you look at that? This is the New York Times, so you know it's legit. <laughs> and I, I feel like we've talked about that before, how important it is to have women in the leadership roles. But what's even more important when we talk about increasing diversity in the workplace or having more men, women in leadership roles, people tend to roll their eyes. But it's things yeah. like this that show that there's a real monetary value. And it sucks that we have to, you know, get out a calculator and prove it. But people need to see, like, you're literally holding your company back if you're not diversifying mm-hmm. from the top down. Um so I love studies like this. No, me too. Because I just think that when you when you start to, it's like women lie, num, women lie, men lie, numbers don't. And when you pull out numbers like that, it just, what are you arguing against having women like, oh, they're going to have babies. Oh, they're going to leave. Oh, they're so emotional. And yet the numbers are saying that even if all of these things are true, it still works in your benefit to have women in leadership positions. It's all about balance. I don't know. I feel like, and it's not like all women work the same. Exactly. Like we're all going to be more balanced. It's we, were, we talked about before how it's important not just to have women, but like women from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. from different ages, you know, some who are mothers and juggling that, some who chose not to have kids. Like it's just, I don't know, the, the more different points of view you can bring to the table, the, the better, better workplace you're going to make for all of your employees so yes so yeah i think that having women of different backgrounds working in the same place is always a good idea just because when i used to teach it was just nice to be able to pull from a pool of women with different experiences do you know speaking of women in leadership so you know that over the weekend supreme court justice antonin scalia passed away yeah which is it's really sad i mean he would you know his he has his reputation wasn't that great especially if you are a progressive liberal type of person who cares about women's rights and <laughs> gay marriage and just stuff like that yeah <laughs> um so people were saying some really awful things about him and his legacy but you know respect to the guy but uh what everyone's talking about now of course is like so obama has less than a year in office 
he has every right constitutionally to appoint the next Supreme Court justice. And of course, Republicans are like, no, like we should wait until after the election, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but I saw something really cool today that Loretta, Loretta Lynch, who is right now the U.S. Attorney General, um, is like the most likely candidate to, repl- to replace Scalia. And that'd make <laughs> her the first African-American woman to hold a Supreme Court seat. Wow. Which would be monumental. Which would be monumental. Yeah, I just don't understand, like, because I was watching on the news this morning when the Republicans were kind of going in, like, he can he can appoint who he wants. We're not going to let him, we're not going to approve that. And I'm just like, are you just, he's the president of the United States, whether you like it or not. Like, you know. They don't people, like it. <laughs> I know, you know, or just even people saying, like, he, how dare he want to appoint, you know, the, the next Supreme Court justice. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. Last time I checked, that's in his, uh, that's in his, um, his, uh, what is the thing called? They're like, I'm not going to, my, his job description. Like, I just don't. It's in the constitution that all I, these politicians are, you know, they come into office saying how they all uphold the, the constitution. Know, constitution yeah. Like, but until it's not convenient for them. It's just like, it, there's so many parallels to the Bible and how people treat that. You know what I mean? Yeah, all it these is. Religious texts, it just, it bothers me. But what's really funny, what's hypocritical about this whole situation there's been these news reports now that have pointed back that back in the 80s when Antonin Scalia was appointed a Supreme Court justice by Reagan, it was right before Election Day, like mm-hmm. less than a month or less than two months away from Election Day. So very convenient that when a Republican president yes. is in the, in the seat, he's you know totally fine. No one, not even Democrats said anything against that back in the 80s but it's such a different climate today politically yeah it is and honestly i try i try not to just just because like preservation of peace of mind and spirit honestly i it's just so much ugliness out there that it's it's very trying because like even like on facebook you know some of the stuff that your friends post Mm -hmm. like not your friends just saying in general that you know there's just so much going on with like deaths and killing and police brutality and it's just so much that sometimes you you have to take a step back because it can be it can be very heavy and I understand these are things that are actually happening so I definitely don't turn it off all the way because I have to know what's happening but at the same time I'm conscious that I have to be careful of how much exposure I allow it on a daily basis because it can be I just don't understand how politicians deal with this ugliness day in and day out like and then sleep at night very interesting it takes such a high level of narcissism yeah i think so because I mean, I'm like, even with obama you have to be really narcissistic yeah to want it to, to take up this mantle um yeah i would not i would never i would make the worst politician oh my god can you imagine just no <laughs> too much fakery too much nonsense too much bs all these debates but i do feel like um it's like you said, it's really important just to keep paying attention anyway. Just keep one ear open. Just read one thing a day to sort of stay um, abreast of what's happening. I hated what Gloria Steinem said the other day. She got so much heat for this. Um, Gloria Steinem, feminist icon, mm-hmm. comes out and says that, you know, she, I think she was asked why young women are supporting Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton, who would be the first female president. And her answer was something like, well, you know, young girls just want to be wherever the boys are, where their boyfriends are. Yeah, I think you mentioned in the last podcast, and I was just like, oh, God, why? Rightfully so. Rightfully so. She got torn apart for that. Yeah. Whew. So this is kind of an aside. So have you heard of, um, his name is Martin Shrekel. Is that his last name? Scarelli. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> this is bad, right? I'm like, at this point, he's one of those ones that I'm like, I don't even care about Let's getting t- his tell name. The, tell the podcast world if they don't know who this, who this guy is. 
So he is the king of all douchebags. And so he is this young man who is, he owns a pharmaceutical company and he raised um, some critical medicine in cancer, right? In HIV, two of those medicines, I think. Right. He raised it by like, I don't even know, like 800%. Like they used to be $7 and he made it like $700. And he is just, they, he just was called before. Was that Congress or the Senate? Who was he called before? Oh, I don't know. I know he's on trial right now. He was, a, he was arrested on some kind of fraud. Yes, because he, so he was just called, I think it was to call to testify before Congress. Basically, they were asking him, like, why did you raise, like, you're going to be rich anyway, because, you know, these medicines people need to live, like, to stay alive. So why raise these critical medicines to this level? Like, you know, why make them so expensive that people are literally going to die because they can't afford it? And he just did not care. And he's smirking the whole time and, like, laughing. And I don't know, some. There are some people who, and you know, I don't really believe in people being like pure evil, but there are some people who I believe there's just something inside of them. And he thinks it's funny. And they're like, you think it's funny that people are dying? And he just was like, I plead the fifth. I don't know. It's, it was weird to watch him. So anyway, this is like not even about that. So he um, wrote Ta- Kanye on Twitter. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I yeah, saw that. Which was kind of funny that he wanted to buy Kanye's next album for $10 million. Because um, and the, he also so he bought the Wu Tang Clan's album, right? Yeah, for two million, like a few years for two ago. Two million, the only copy. Yes, and he loves bragging about that that he owns the only copy. Yeah, which is like okay. Um, and so he he sent it to Kanye, and um, I don't know. He just wants the only. You know, it's really to me his thing. Obviously, is clearly about power. And he wrote, which I thought was like so crazy. This is so indicative of what type of person he is. He said, um, this is one of the tweets. Kanye and his label are legally required to take my offer letter to their board of directors. This should delay the album by a few days. Like, mm-hmm. is that what this is about? He's just, I don't know. Just some people like that. You're just like, okay, so whatever. I don't know what's going to happen as a result. He's on a power trip. I work yeah. with people like that. Not to that extent, obviously. Not with the power not with the power to make drugs so expensive people can't afford them. But uh it's really tough when you're around people like that who get a get a high off of wielding their power just for whatever reason, just for dumb reasons. Yeah. Or like it just like dangerous reasons. Like he gets a high. I feel like it's almost like when you see him talking about, you know, raising the, the cost of these pills. It's like he gets a high of knowing that people will die because they can't afford it. Like what, you know, what else is that? Because, you know, when they're asking him these questions, he's literally smirking and smiling and giggling and laughing. And you're like, wow, you know, there are people who who enjoy killing. There are people who enjoy hurting other people. There just are, you know, they're sociopaths, basically. And to me, he's just one of them. And, you know, you could tell there's some way they're trying in some way, shape, or form to put him behind bars. So, I don't know. I mean... Do you know who else gets a lot of flack for making people spend a lot of money? Who? That they can't afford? People who are getting married. Yeah. (laughs) I was reading this, uh, so Cosmo, which, you know, I don't tend to read on purpose, but I ran across this article. (laughs) Ah, Cosmo, that's me. That's (laughs) me speaking, just so we're clear. The shade is real. Yes. (laughs) Like I said, I'm never going to be a politician. Never. Um, so there's this really good article. I thought people probably are polarized by it, but it's it's called what is it's it's from the perspective of a bridesmaid who's talking about what it's like to be the poor bridesmaid in the wedding party. 
Um, and I've only been a bridesmaid once, but I've been in so many situations where all your friends want to go spend a lot of money and they just hope, expect you to run along with them. And it can be really embarrassing when, you know, you're out at dinner together and everyone assumes you can all split the bill or, you know, you want to go somewhere for your annual, like you want to have an annual camping trip and everyone assumes you can all afford the really expensive, um, you know, uh, lodge or, or campsite or whatever, um, and you, you're embarrassed. So you go along with it and the whole time you're really uncomfortable and you're sweating it. And I thought that her take on it was, was pretty honest. I mean, she talks about all the bridesmaids, you know, she gets paid every two weeks and she was saving up one page, the next paycheck. She was looking forward to it to go ahead and buy her ticket for the bachelorette party, mm-hmm. which of course was in a different state and blah, blah, blah. Um, and the bridesmaids were like, oh, no, no, no. We got to book them all together and go on the same flight right now. And it was two weeks before she was ready. Mm. And so because of that, she wasn't on the same flight with them. And they made her feel bad for that. And I don't know. I just feel like when you are – when you're asking your friends to spend money, you should know what your friend's situation is or have mm-hmm. a good idea. If you're asking someone to, you know, take on this huge financial burden and be in your wedding, I, I – I, you know, on the one hand, you can say, oh, it's your day. You call the shots. Everyone does what you want. But it's not fair. Yeah, I to agree. assume everyone can afford stuff. And, you know, I was one of my coworkers was asking me because I told him we were thinking about doing a destination wedding. I mean, we're definitely doing a destination wedding. And he's like, oh, so you're going to make your friends uh, go to a bachelorette party in like a different state and all this kind of stuff. I was like, well, no, I'm asking all my friends to come to a resort. We're probably just going to do everything at the resort the week yeah, of the wedding, you know, that would be nice. Um, And uh, I I hope that people out there. Like, if you call these people your friends, I just feel like you should know that some people need help or some people won't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I feel like what happens is, like, when the bride doesn't – she, like – I this happens, I think, and this is what the woman in the article was talking about, too. She was dealing with, like, bridesmaids she didn't know. Okay. Like, you know, it's the random cousin or the random best yeah. you know, friend from camp or whatever. And when the bride steps out of the picture and allows the bridesmaid to plan stuff, knowing that they don't all know each other and stuff, yeah. that's when awkward stuff happens. That's why I'm so glad that I have four sisters. So I had already put my best friends on notice, like, just so you know. It's so easy when you have sisters. <laughs> I know. Who can argue with that? <laughs> I know. And that's exactly what I said, because honestly, I, I have two best friends. And they were like, so who's going to be your maid of honor? I said, one of my sisters. I don't even want to hear it. Because who you can't even argue, because I can't choose one of my best friends. The other one would be so hurt. And I'm like, but if I choose my sister, you might not be happy with it, but you cannot argue. Like, nope. this is my sister. And so... Hey, I don't, Mallory. I, hey, sister friend. I know. <laughs> got it unlocked. <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm like, one of my sisters, I always call being the maid of honor, a.k.a. the slave for the day. Mm. So I'm like, so which one of y'all? And even, honestly, I'm not even super sentimental about it. I'm just going to be like, who wants to be the bride's the, um, maid of honor? People like, put so <laughs> much weight on these roles. Like, this is what I wanted to share. Oh, I just remembered. So I was doing some research. I, can, can you hear all that noise? You can. It's noise on my end? No, no, on my end. Some They're like snow plowing. Anyway, okay. you can't hear it. That's good. So recently I was wondering, like, so we have these things called bridesmaid and groomsmen, but like, why? What is the purpose of these people standing up there? And so mm-hmm. I, re- I started digging into the history of it. Do you want to know why bridesmaids became a thing? Why? And groomsmen? Because centuries ago, people were really afraid of demons and evil spirits. Mm-hmm. And so they had bridesmaids and groomsmen. First of all, the bridesmaids dressed up very similar to what the, to what the bride was wearing. And they were there to be decoys for evil spirits so they wouldn't take the bride 
Wow. They would go for the bridesmaids. So they were basically decoys, <laughs> like bait for evil spirits. And the groomsmen were supposed to be there. Um, this is something else I heard was that, you know, when there used to be huge amounts of dowry, like a dowry given to the groom's family. Mm-hmm. So the groomsmen were kind of there to protect against people trying to come and steal that dowry. Okay. Um, so it's just, it's interesting for me to go back in time and just realize they're okay. There used to be a purpose for this, but now we're just kind of doing it just to do it yep. and putting so much weight and stress on people. It's talking about, oh, you're the maid of honor. That means you got to hold my train and plan the bride bridal shower. And yeah. I don't even, honestly, I don't, I don't even want all that. Like I would like, like I always say, I would like a really nice dinner. Yes. Like maybe like a small church wedding and like a really nice dinner where I just find like, um, a small to medium sized restaurant that I rent out for the evening and then family and friends, they eat, they dance, they, but under, under 75 people, which is like considered two people in African culture <laughs> Good uh, for real. Cause like people are like, that's not that small. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Under 75 people is like, so just, just your, just your, your family that you grew up with inside your house. Right. <laughs> And so, yeah, I don't I like the want... six month rule. Like if you haven't talked to them in the last six months and they're you know, not not on the invitation mm-hmm. list. So what are your so is it time for brown break? Because I think I'm ready to brown break. Yep. Brown break. So. My brown break, it would seem odd since I kind of make my living using this this mechanism. I am taking a brown break from social media. I'm so tired. Like, I don't How know. How long is this brown break going to be for? By the I way, know. you asked for a brown break from the snow and the weather was like. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> yeah, the mm-hmm. weather's like, you know what? Pick and something so- else. <laughs> I know. So I don't like, honestly, I can't even really take a legitimate brown break from social media. This is just like a brown break in name only. It's just that like, I guess because I, I use social media for my living um, that I can't take a full break. But I don't know. It's not as enjoyable just because maybe I just need to switch up my timeline or maybe the people that I follow. I just feel like sometimes it's slightly depressing, you know? Well, Didn't- I mean, when you're using it every day for like, to promote yourself it can like it can lose its fun like relaxed sort of like every once in a while just check in and see what's happening sort of yeah um, i try but you know facebook honestly it's there's a lot of especially you know remember everybody was doing their whole thing pieces about beyonce so that was like not fun the only place that i do really fully enjoy and i get my life is instagram Mm -hmm. because there's instagram comedians that i follow that are like you know not like comedians like in real life but like for whatever reason they make hilarious videos or they have hilarious memes so i have like five accounts that i sneak and i watch and i like giggle my life away 15 seconds at a time so i do enjoy instagram I'm here for Instagram. Yes. <laughs> and then I tag Drina or like some of my, my Drina is one of my best friends or my other friends. Cause we, we have like this like circle of people that were like, look at this. And isn't he hilarious? And isn't this funny? So yeah. So that's the one place that I'm like, you know, it's fun, but Facebook, Twitter hasn't been fun for a while. It's just like, whatever. But, um, Instagram still is fun. Facebook is definitely not fun anymore. I'm always like, uh, when I feel like I, whenever I open up my Facebook account, I'm like going to work, you know? I I almost broke my unfollow button. I unfollow people all the time. <laughs> Sometimes we share devices in our household. Like I'll just pick up whichever laptop's closest to me. And there's been times where I've been like, I don't know this person and I'll unfollow somebody. And it's actually my fiance's Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, whoops. <laughs> no, you know who unfriended me that I cannot believe, but I kind of understand, but I'm like, really? Superman. 
He unfriended you? Yes. I said, why? Because the other day I was trying to tag him and I was like, why won't it let me tag him? And I looked and it said friend, add as a friend. I'm like, well, that's weird. We're friends. I was like, Superman, like something. I was like, aren't we friends on Facebook? He said, oh, I meant to talk to you about that. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and I said, why? He was like, I'm not going to lie, Tiffany. My whole timeline was you. My whole... You can unfollow somebody. That's what's so great about it. And they don't ever said. know. He said, I did that and it still was you. I was like, you don't even know how to use technology. You, you didn't. You probably didn't unfollow me properly. Because you know what it was? <laughs> At one point, he had something clicked where it was like... I don't even know how he clicked it. That every note... He got a notification every time I posted anything. Oh, God. And so that, that drove him crazy. What? And so I tried to tell him, like, no, that that's not because he doesn't really use, honestly, Facebook much. And so I was like, of course, that's going to drive you crazy. I get that. But you can unclick that. He's like, no, I did. I did. I'm like, you probably did it because if I was still showing up, I was like, you didn't have to unfriend me. That's so drastic. (laughs) (laughs) And then he tried to friend me back, but I'm full. And he was like, well, says I can't friend you back. I was like, I don't I'm real. I still have mixed emotions. I feel about it. You can max out your Facebook friends. Yeah, you can. It's five thousand. You know, 5,000 people. No, but you my... can't delete one person so Darrell can be your friend. I know it was so I mean, So Superman can be your friend. So. <laughs> no, I know. No, I don't even know. I feel like he doesn't want to be my friend. He's just like, I don't know. He has this thing about separating Tiffany from the budgetista. And that's, not, that's probably a good idea, actually. Yeah, that's why I was like, you know, at first, of course, you know, your initial knee jerk reaction is, <gasps> no. But then I was like, well, Tiffany, it's not like you don't know him in real life. I mean, you live together. <laughs> Like, it's not like he's going to miss any special updates. And so I thought about it and I said, you know what? It's nice. What I what I enjoy about Superman is that, you know, of course, he supports my business and stuff, but he really is not like a business. He just doesn't care more about my business than about me. You know what I mean? So I had to balance it. It was like, you know, he always says, like, Tiffany, whether you do the budget Easter or not, whether you're a school teacher, whether whatever it is, I love you. Like, you, I don't attach you to your business, which I actually like. And I kind of like the separation at home because sometimes it can be very overwhelming. So it's nice not to have to come home to business as well, even though I work from home, you know? Um, it's nice to have something to tell somebody. Exactly. And so, yeah, I didn't even just find out. And so I don't, you know, he doesn't post anything crazy. It's not like, like, same thing with you. You know, I use his phone all the time. He uses mine. So it's not like, I'm like, you know, I'm not missing out on anything on um, Facebook. But at first I was like, I can't believe you unfriended me. But then I was like, you know, what? I kind of feel him in that, you know, I mean, he could have just unfollowed because, yes, that's how technology works. But I understood stood once I realized that he was getting notifications every time I coughed on Facebook. That must have been and we've been friends for years. I'm like, that must have been so annoying because <laughs> his brother said the same thing, which I'm like, are you? He has a twin brother. And he was like, oh, my God, Tiffany, every time I open up my Facebook, it's Tiffany all day, every day. I'm like, are you guys are your notifications turned on for me or something? So I don't know, but um, yeah. So like I'm leaving at, at this at this point. We're leaving it. He was like, "Do you want me to friend you back?" Because I was gonna drop somebody for him, and I was like, "No, let's just leave it and see how we feel about it." You know, either way. Because truthfully, I use my Facebook mostly, even my personal. I use it mostly for business anyway. So yeah, I'm okay. I've 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 I'm at peace with the fact that my future boo, my future fiance, is not my friend on Facebook. <laughs> you can live. Yes, I can live with that. Do you think he still loves you, though? Cause <laughs> I know. Right? If 5,000 people don't know that you're friends, does that I mean know. that? Okay. I know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll live with it. Okay, so this week, my brown break, I have to say, 
I've been thinking about this for a while. It's been festering, this idea. Is the idea of forced office socialization. Mm. And what I mean by that is the fact that, like, if one person wants to go to happy hour, everybody's got to go. And if you don't go, then, oh, you're lame. Come party with us. But, like, I literally see my work family more than my real family. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like this is one instance when – um they you can people can make you feel bad for not wanting to be the social butterfly center of attention out at a party all the time Mm -hmm. and i think that again it kind of goes back to why it's so important to have people in leadership who have different perspectives and stuff because if you have one person who thinks that you know you're not cool unless you're hanging out and schmoozing and chest bumping and stuff like you're not down then you'll look down upon people who maybe have a lot to bring to the table but aren't out there after work at happy hour you know what i mean no, you're right. And and that is just crazy because that has nothing to do like with your performance. I could see if they were like, hey, Mandy, you know, you really don't get along well with anybody in the office. Maybe if you extended yourself outside of the office, that would help. I could see that. But if there was no other criticism, then how does that just because, you know, not everybody's a social butterfly. Some people are introverts. Some people... You know, you might have like, you know, a sick grandma at home and you really can't go out. So then what? I'm just supposed to be like, sorry, grandma. You're just going to have to make do with this uh, life alert bracelet while I go party with my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Brown breaking it from social media. And groundbreaking it for what was your groundbreaking again? Forced office socialization. Yes, forced office socialization. That's not cool. <laughs> do we have a question this week? Are we going to do a question? Yeah, we promised we'd answer two questions this week. So I am going to pull them up right now. Okay. So if the first question comes from Taylor, Taylor, thanks for sending us in your question. Hey, TT. She has a question about <laughs> just TT. We're just going there right away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it really is TR. Her last name is Russell R. Um, <laughs> So she says, I love the podcast. Thank you so much. I love that you guys are like, um, oh, she likes other podcasts. Another round in the read. Also great. Oh, what's such good company. Thank you. Yes. So she says, let me start from the very beginning. It's a very long email. So let me do to do to do. So she says, like Mandy, I think the mentor concept is a bit heavy. So I usually look at those types of relationships in the context of general networking. I usually don't like to network through events, but in a more organic context in terms mm-hmm. of people I've worked with, school alumni, forum speakers, etc. Especially since my field, she works in the government and law, doesn't really emphasize being social as much as um, focusing on media or as much as other careers like media or sales. Got it. So recently she emailed, she says, I emailed a professor from law school at the beginning of the month. She graduated three and a half years ago. Just saying thank you for her, how she's inspired me to pursue what I'm doing now. And I haven't even heard back from her, not even a thank you. She says, I was super upset because she was really nice as a teacher and I attached my holiday card, which had a picture of me. So mm. she'd know I was a fellow sister, her words, <laughs> and, she does civil rights, and she does civil rights related work. I know logically that everyone won't want to connect with me. But here's my question. How do you deal with the rejection slash lack of response from people you reach out to or really admire? Um, that's painful. It is. That I mean, it sucks. I've been that person. My first technical 
quite thought is like maybe that attachment made it go to junk mail. I was gonna say that. <laughs> like, I was gonna say honestly that especially if it was really nice and you reach I mean, I don't know the teacher obviously, but like if she was a cold teacher in class, you know, then I'd be like, Well, girl, you know, what you see, what you got. But it might not have made it to her her like primary inbox. You know, so it's especially if it was a school email, they can be super touchy about yes. like, weird attachments and stuff. So you'd be surprised. So I would not, I would not take it super personally. You might want to follow up with an email, um, you know, without an attachment, just to be like, hey, I reached out to you, just you know, just kind of reiterating what you said in the. Oh, in definitely the, follow up. Yeah, for sure. You know, and then even if you have her number, because you know a lot of professors have like office hours numbers. If you really did enjoy her as a professor and want to connect, call. You just never know. Like it, when you're mailing things or you're emailing things. I try not to take it super personally because there's been times when people have like hit me up and they're like, hey, girl, you never responded. I, I sent you an email about X, Y, Z. And I'm like, you did? So it's not always that people are like shading you. Sometimes they just didn't get it. So one, tell yourself that and that you're going to try to follow up in a more concrete way. And two, even if she was just not that she's not interested, but maybe overwhelmed. You have to also understand that life happens for some people. Like I was working, I have a new lawyer. She's amazing. And she seemed so on point. And then she was late on one of our deadlines. And I was like, what's going on? She didn't seem like that person not to kind of like, one, to miss a deadline. And then two, not to like say, hey, I'm not going to have your contract ready. I reached out to a friend of mine who connected us. And he said, oh my gosh, I'm, I forgot to tell you, Tiffany, but her father just passed away. Now, meanwhile, when I met the lawyer, the week prior, her father was in the hospital. And she told me that. She's like, my father's in the hospital. So if my phone rings, please excuse me if I have to pick up because I just never know because he's really elderly. And so and she's like, you know, we're really close. She, you know, she was really nice. So she opened up and told me that they were so close. And, and her phone did indeed ring. And it was her mom. And they talked briefly. And we got back to business. So you see what I mean? That like, had he not told me, she's not going to write me and say, hey, by the way, like, I'm in a really dark place right now because my, my father, who was like everything, has passed. You know, even though you might think like that sometimes something is about you. It's it's most times not about you. It's bigger yes. than you. You know, you say that a million. Let's get that like inscribed on kind of bumper <laughs> sticker, coffee mug. It's not always about you. Yeah, it's not. You just not to say that this professor had had her father pass away, but yeah. life happens in people's life. One, she might not have gotten the message. Two, something might have happened. She might be overwhelmed. Or three. You're right. Sometimes it is. They're just not that into you. And it does suck. But then you, it's better then to find out early and then to put your energy into someone who is interested in connecting with you. Exactly. So, if it, you know, so and then, I mean, and you don't have to love it. Right. It's OK to be like, hey, that sucks. I've definitely reached out to authors and other writers. Oh, man. When I was at this conference in October, it was all women journalists, and there were there was this these two women. One works for or used to work for Al Jazeera, and the other one um, works on one of my favorite uh, NPR shows. I'll just say that. And she was on a panel, and I got up to her to talk. And it was right, we were about to launch Brown Ambitioner. We had just launched it, and I was really excited to talk to her and you know ask for advice and stuff. And um, she looked at me like I was like a crazy fan or something like that. And yeah. she, you know, sort of like brushed me off and uh, and uh, looked at me like I was coming to ask her for something, you know, like when people just assume that you want something for them mm-hmm. other than like I wasn't asking for a job. I was just, you know, wanting to like I uh, connect on that level of, oh, we both created something really cool and let's talk about, you know, how you got started and stuff. And um, that, you know, but, you know, you, not everyone is going to be perfect and not everyone is going to 
be the dream mentor or the dream friend or whatever and and you know and sit down and have a cup of coffee and just yeah. pour their soul out with you they're not all you know god very god money mother lynette kalfani cox yes who is amazing and honestly i don't even know how she does it because even me i get a lot of requests for people wanting like some sort of mentorship and i always it's especially if it's a young woman especially you know like a lot of times they're like oh can we go for coffee and i'm like well i don't have time necessarily to go for coffee but i always at least set up a call just because I know how it was when I first started. And then I invite them to stay connected. Like I'm, if you are wanting to like, kind of like seek advice from me, you are certainly welcome to email me on a regular basis, you know, text and call, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not the best with like, Hey, text or call. Well, I don't mind people texting or calling. Like if it's like, like I said, especially like I, I like mentoring young women. Um, and what I find is honestly, it's really only those people who are really serious that, that maintain contact with me. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell them like, you know, we'll have a great conversation, half an hour, an hour where I kind of pour into them what I've learned thus far. And then I let them know, you know, when you get to this next step or you've, you know, or you have more, you need more advice, feel free to reach back out to me. And most people don't. Just most people just don't follow, which is fine, but I'm open to it. But I know that there definitely have been, I'm not going to lie, there have been older women who have reached out asking for more. And I'm less likely to say yes if I'm overwhelmed. Like, I never turn down a one young woman, which I know it sounds terrible. But because I, I guess I feel like, well, wow, she's really starting out. But if someone's kind of like, because usually a lot of the older women reach out more so looking for a coach than like a mentor, you know, because like, you know, the mentor, it'd be, it's weird mentoring, like, I don't know, like a, you know, 45 year old, 55 year old women. So I don't, I don't do one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I usually tell people like, no, I don't do one. I don't have the capacity, but if you're looking for a conversation and like a quick tip or whatever, I don't have a problem with that. It's just that sometimes people, what, what is hard is for people who come back to the well, but not in a like, Hey, Miss Tiffany, that was great advice. Um, you know, I, I took what you said and it's doing well and I wanted to thank you. And quick question about this. Some people come back to the well to just take and without pouring back in. And pouring back in to me just means like, give me an update. What's going on? Are you using what I gave you? Or are you just here for more advice, even though you have not implemented what I told you before, you know? Right. So there's a mix, you know, so I kind of feel like, you know, I'm on the other end. Sometimes I reach out to people and I get ignored. And sometimes people reach out to me. I never ignore. I always at least respond back and say, hey, not at this moment of time or sure, let's talk next Friday. And there's been times when people have reached out to me. I'm like, let's talk next Friday. And I always put the onus on them. Like, I'll give them my phone number and I'm like, hey, this is the time. I'll send a Google invite. And sometimes they don't even show up. They won't call. They won't show up for the Skype call. And I'm like, OK, well, first and last. So, yeah. Well, all it's, right, Taylor. Sounds like you should follow up. Yep. Don't attach anything weird. Just a one-liner. Yeah. Don't write a whole long thing. Just a one-liner. I'll let her know that she really inspired you and, like, you would love to chat or, whatever, or whatnot. But don't give up. Yeah, don't. And then That's if good. not, then you find somebody else to pour into. Mm -hmm. so, so what was our second question? Question number oh. two comes <laughs> from Rosie. Thanks, hey, Rosie. Rosie. I feel like I might know this person, but I'm not 100% sure. If she's who <laughs> I think she is, hey. <laughs> but I'm not sure. So Rosie says, I am in my early 30s, and I have a great career in marketing and communications. I have a master's degree and um, $56,000 salary. I live in the South, but I've always wanted to move to NYC. I had a chance to go when I was 24, but I chose to get married instead. Young and dumb. Her words, not mine. Okay. 
I've been single for a few years now, and I have a great network of soror. So I have such a hard time with this word. Soror, sorors, sorority sisters. Okay. Uh-huh. Church and friends. However, I'm unhappy at my job, and NYC is in my heart. Mm. Um, I see where this question is going. My savings account's tiny. Um, she has about $1,700 saved and I mm. know I don't have enough to live off of. I don't want to use my credit card, um, but I feel like I need to break free. Mm. So what's our advice on quitting my job, quit trying to move to NYC and fulfilling a lifelong dream? Or should I stay in the South at a job I'm no longer happy with? Uh, well, look here, Roro. Don't come to NYC with no $1,700. Yeah, don't do it. Because then you'll be just like living. You have a great job, but you'll have a terrible life. Exactly. And you're in your early 30s. You have a higher standard than you did when you were 22. Yes. Listen, when I moved here, I could sleep on a mattress with no bed frame. I was yep. fine with that. You know, living with three roommates, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have standards now. And yeah. standards are expensive. Yes, that's true. <laughs> There's so many things that I put up with in my 20s. And I was like, this is fun. Hey, girl. I'll, you're in the bathroom? Okay, I'll wait in the line of four women behind you as I pay five, $500 a month in, um, <laughs> in rent. But, yeah, I would say that. And I'm not saying, I don't think, it doesn't have to be black or white, right? She doesn't have to give up her dream. I just think you have to strategically plan for it. And I think the I think the first thing you got to do is find a different job. Yeah. Um, and whether that job's in New York or just a, maybe just a different city outside of where you live in the mm-hmm. south. Um, I mean, I don't think I don't I don't think New York City is the end all be all. Maybe it is in certain careers. She said she's in marketing communications. There's certainly tons of jobs. Yeah. A huge market for that sort of career. For sure. So it would make sense realistically for you to want to move to New York because there's so many opportunities here. You can probably make way more than what you're making now because the cost of living is so much higher. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who are in marketing and comms and they make like twice that salary um, and they graduated, it seems like, around the same time you did. So maybe you could find a similar, um, you know, cost a similar um, salary or equitable salary to what you were earning back in Atlanta. Um, or she said, she just says down south. But, uh, I would say, though, don't make New York City the end-all, be-all because um, it's not. There's other cool cities, too. Mm-hmm, for sure. It just sounds like you're bored and you need a change. Yeah. And you're single like, now, so like, well, I feel like now is a great time for a change. For real. So I'm not opposed to you moving, but I don't want you to move from, what is it, out of the, out of the frying pan into the fire? I don't want you to move and struggle financially because nothing kills creativity like brokenness, mm. especially brokenness in your 30s. And don't use your credit card. Yes. And so so either one of two things. You can save up, save up at your job now. Or you can look for a job at NYC and see if maybe you can, like, Skype interview your way into the hearts and souls of the people in NYC and find something here. That way you can move with something solid. Or you can um, find a job maybe in a, the, the next biggest city that's located close to you. And don't give up on the New York City dream, but moving there just to get a change of pace, just to get a change of job, and then save, save, save for your eventual NYC move. So I just, I think that you can do it, but don't just pick up and go because it's, New York is one of those places where it is very difficult to succeed because it's so expensive, you know? Like, I don't live in New York, like, Mandy lives in New York, but girl, I'm in Jersey where the rent is reasonable in comparison to New York. And I myself would not move to New York. Not now. I don't make nearly enough. And I make good money. I think what I would tell you to do, because if I know this person, like I think I might. um, I think she has some friends up here. And I would say spend some time with your friends in the city. Go up for a few days. 
you know, find out where they live because chances are it's not on Park Avenue. Like I, I had some friends who have, you know, when we were graduating college and they were like, oh, I'm going to go be an editorial assistant and live on Park Avenue. And that's just not realistic. So yeah. get a realistic view of what New York is and, and visit and see if you still like it. Hey, come in February when it is the shittiest time of year and what? it's minus something degrees out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can still like it then, then, you know. Yes. Or come on the hottest day when the... When Ooh, the garbage is baking, baking on the streets. <laughs> but I don't want to sound cynical. But No, it's, it's not. You want to get the realistic. I just I would give this advice to anybody, whether you're 22 or 32 or 42, thinking about New York. Mm-hmm. Spend some time here with some real people in a real apartment. Um, and you can totally get a job. I have tons of friends, including myself. I got a job living in Georgia and New York. It's doable. Yeah. Um, start working your connections with your – if you have contacts in the marketing field – Actually, one of my friends who worked in PR, her company, she worked for a pretty big firm and they were okay with her transferring to their office in New York. Um, But I feel like if it's the job that you hate and not just your whole career, that's easier to fix. You can find a different job in the same field. If it's your career that you hate, that's going to be a bigger, a bigger challenge. Yeah. And so maybe switching, because I remember when, um, when my best friend, Drina, she was working in uh, marketing and advertising and so she thought it was the job she hated but she realized it was the corporate environment so she started her own PR firm which I'm not saying that you should just go ahead and start your own firm but she had to figure out what the, what was the thing that was bothering her before she could figure out the solution and sometimes the only way to know is to switch the small movable pieces to see oh it's this piece of my life that I'm not enjoying you know right but it sounds like you're on an exciting little crossroads. Yeah. And don't say, I mean, we're, I mean, 24 and got married. A lot of people make that decision. I'm, at least you had the wherewithal to get out of a bad, a bad relationship, it sounds like. And you're still young. Exactly. Early 30s, you got plenty of time to start a new career, move to a new city. And, you know, whether you meet someone or not, like, you can still have the great life that you always wanted. It's not too late. Yeah, no, you are still young. Well, I'm 35 and I'm still young and snatched, honey. I might need to. I might need to send us a question. I'm feeling the itch of to like find a new city. Actually, really? Yeah, I'm feeling the itch. This I've lived in New York City longer than any other place mm. um, since college. Yeah, I mean, even before college, because I moved towns quite a bit when I was in high school and stuff. Yeah, and um, maybe it's just the fact that the wedding coming up, I'm like, hmm, where else would I live? But I can't imagine anywhere else, honestly. Would the fiancé be open to living in another city? We talk about it all the time, the West Coast. Okay. Something like that. Um, But who knows? I mean, I don't know. Part of me just feels like, damn, when you're in your 20s and 30s, like, this is the time. Yeah, it is. not now, then when, you know? It's weird because, you know, I don't ever feel the itch to, like, move. I definitely – I always get the itch to travel, though. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to be away from here for a little while. But then I always miss home. I miss Dirty Jersey. Like, <laughs> people always get mad when I say that. But I'm like, it's a nickname that Redman gave us, Dirty Jersey. It's just like, you know, a hip-hop name. Like, I don't really mean – although Dirty Jersey, some parts of it definitely are dirty. But It's like your hot Lana. Yeah, exactly. She – because I remember I wrote, I wrote it once – in um like on, on a Facebook post, like I was like, oh, you know, I was in India at the time. I was like, oh, India was great, but I miss Dirty Jersey. And this woman took such offense. She was like, India's dirty too. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, when she was older, I was like, it's a hip hop term, Miss Lady, ma'am. I wasn't trying to insult the state, which which I just said I missed. It's not like I'm dissing my state, but um, I don't mind. And then you know, 
it really, I don't know. I have a problem with people who think that where they live is the best place, especially New Yorkers who feel like New York is the only place that ever existed. Yeah. It's and not they that- don't have any reason to leave. Why would I ever leave? I can get all the foods of the world, see all the people of the world. I'm like, yes, but it is not the only place that's ever been. Yes. So I love, worthy. that's why I love travel. Yes. And, okay. We digress, but, um, all right, Miss Rosie, it sounds like you're on the way to New York City. Once yeah. you save up. So figure out, is it your career you don't like or is it your job? How can you change that? And then you got to save. Maybe you should move out of your apartment if you have one. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just making up facts about your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try and reduce your living. <laughs> Try and reduce your living income and Definitely. set some more. She says right now, I didn't mention this, but she's saving only about $75 per month. I would find that's not going to get you very far in a year. So I'd find a way to, to really ramp that up. Yes, um, whatever sure. you can do. If this, if New York means that much to you, then and then I would I would try and ramp that up because you'll need, Jesus Christ, like just moving into a place alone. New York City is the land of first month's rent, last month's rent, security deposit, and a broker's fee. Really? Yes. Girl. And you might honestly want to consider. I know, like you know, Jersey's not on your horizon, but like where I live in New Jersey, what I love about where I live is that I live literally right across the street, like a two minute. Well, three minute walk to like out my door across the street to the train station, which there is a train one stop. Usually sometimes it's two, but usually I get the one stop train and it's 12 minutes to the city. So a lot of people who can't afford New York are definitely finding towns, surrounding towns in New Jersey. Like my sister lives in Jersey City. She's got this cute little place that she pays like 900 bucks a month for. And the path train is right there. Um, Jersey City, Brooklyn, Queens, all yes. the waters. So there are definitely, you know, you might think to yourself, oh, I want to live like in New York, but it might be cheaper and easier to find like a surrounding city and then live there before making the move. But I feel you. I always feel like this, that go for your dream, but do so strategically. Mm-hmm. So all I think right. that's, that's any, all for questions. Any you, wins for the oh, week for well, you? Let me do the email real quick. If you want to email us your questions, um, email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to tweet us, you can tweet us at the BA Podcast. And we are Brown Ambition on Facebook. On the Book of Faces. <laughs> okay, now wins. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. See, y'all thought I forgot how to sing. I didn't. Remember, oh. this is random. Remember, were you old enough to remember this, Mandy? That, like, that first black exploitation, like, uh, off, 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 off Broadway. Mama, I want to sing. Mama, I want to sing. Remember those commercials? Did you ever what? see that? Okay. No. Well, some of y'all, tweet me, please. Hold on. I have to pause the presses right now. I'm watching the Grammys red carpet because it's Monday night when we're recording. <laughs> Zendaya has a mullet. Stop. And I'm not sure why. I... <laughs> I, and it's so clearly an extension. I'm really just, and she's wearing a suit. I don't know what to make of it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll wrap my head around it by next week's episode, but uh, oh, Zendaya girl. She's the kind of girl who you have to try really hard not to look good. <laughs> like, <laughs> she had to really try, and she does not look good. Okay, I'm done. Your win. Yes, your win. Go. <laughs> so my win, what is my win? Oh, so although this is a little like self-centered, but whatever. I'm just really excited because this is really important to me. For those of you who know me and follow like me in, in the brand is that I financial education really is something that I live by. I used to actually be a school teacher for 10 years. So I met with this woman. Um, well, she's a friend of mine now. She took one of my classes. She ended up becoming an assembly woman. 
of the 31st District of New Jersey, and she hit me up not too long ago and said, you know, I'm an assemblywoman now, and I really want to work on some legislation, so if you, some good legislation, so if you have any ideas, let me know. And I was like, yes, I have always thought, because in New Jersey, by law, they have to teach financial education in high school. That's a law that was created about maybe like five years ago, if not longer or shorter, around that time. And I'm like, but to me, I taught preschool. Financial education is critical in elementary and middle schools as well. And so I told her I would love to have a law passed to say that, like, because kids need to learn about money as soon as possible. It should just be one of those things like reading, writing, financial education, because it's just that critical for adults, um, you know, as they grow up to be adults. And she said, I agree. And so now we are currently working on a law that we're going to name the budget needs to law. How dope is that? That to make it um, the law to teach financial education in elementary school and middle school in New Jersey and hopefully other states will follow. Awesome. I know, right? Isn't that so crazy? Can you imagine having an actual budget needs to law? (laughs) That would be so dope. I know, right? (laughs) So I was like, wow. So we're working on it now and we're like kind of- Excuse me, attorney, according to section 2.5 of the Budget NISTA Act of 2016. Yo, that is so insane. And so, but so what ha- what's what's next? How long will it, because things like this can take a while to go oh, through, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. So in the beginning, you just kind of like we we sat down and wrote a synopsis of like what I wanted the law to entail, and so they kind of present that synopsis, and then they'll say like, I guess to, I don't, I guess it's the other assembly people. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not. I'm gonna learn a lot about um about you know our government and how it works. But they basically present it, and then they'll say yes. This is not what they'll do is they'll say that there's no law like this in existence. So, yes, you can proceed forward to start really fleshing it out. So we're just waiting for like the call back to say, yes, there is no law like this in New Jersey. And then it really be up to me to flush out what I think the law should look like. And so I'm going to use the current law for high school as a template to say, yes, I want to basically do this, but for younger kids. And, and then at some point I'll have to go to Trenton and basically like speak and say, this is why I feel this way. This is kind of my experience with that. And then there'll be a vote. And then that's when I kind of am going to put the pressure on the people that follow me to hit up their assembly people to say, look, vote for the law. It's a good law. Because ultimately, people in politics do what their constituents hopefully want them to do. And it's, but it's an easy law. It's not like I'm asking to teach sex education, you know? Mm-hmm. It's to me, it's, it's, it's not a hard reach to say, hey, little kids should learn about basic personal financial stuff. So You'd I'm just surprised. really excited. Financial literacy can be quite polarizing. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I guess it depends on like what it would look like, but yeah, so I'm just excited about it. I mean, either way, whether it passes or doesn't pass, it's just great to just be in a position to even be able to affect permanent change in my state. Good for you. Thank ya. Um, I'll make one of my wins you because I was awesome. <laughs> and number two win, I got to split between two people or not two people, two entities. One, I watched the movie called Dope over the weekend. It's on Netflix. Was it good? Excellent. I liked it a lot. I was debating with my two friends, including Miss Beyonce Hater herself, Jess, last week, <laughs> oh, who, of Jess. course, doesn't like the movie Dope. Oh, <laughs> she just hates liking anything. <laughs> um, anyway, so the movie Dope, it's about a young um, African-American male living in, I think, Englewood, California, like the hood of, of California, it looks like. And, I mean, it's him and his two friends. One's a lesbian. The other one looks like he's Mexican. I forget exactly. He doesn't really say. Maybe Filipino. Um, And they're growing up in the hood, and they're really smart. He starts off the movie by saying, we do white people stuff, like go to college, do our homework, get straight A's, stuff like that. And, of course, they get picked on all the time. And um, it's just – it's kind of like a kooky movie. He ends up with a backpack full of um, Molly 
which <laughs> instead of taking to the cops, of course, he and his friends decide to sell it and get the money back to the drug dealer. Uh, and there's a love interest. Zoe Kravitz is in the movie. It's a really – it's a dope movie, pun intended. Um, I thought it was fun. I mean, it's an hour and a half if you want to watch something good on Netflix this weekend. And secondly, I have to call out SNL because they did the most amazing Beyonce formation um, video this weekend, like skit. Did you see it? Yes. And it was so accurate to what happened when that formation video yes. came out. <laughs> like all the white people in America losing their ever loving mind. That was everything. When they realized that Beyonce is black. Yeah, they're like, Beyonce's black. That was everything. I love the part when uh, Cecily Strong's character, and she's like in an office, and she's like, but everything's usually for us when someone says, maybe this isn't for us. And it's so not. And this also goes to like, there was an article in the Huffington Post written by a white woman who basically says the same thing. Like, this music video is not for us, so step back. Mm. Step back and let the people it's for being young african-american women especially and men too like let it be for them and let them enjoy it and and yeah beyonce is black yeah yeah she is <laughs> yeah she's allowed to admit that on on record when no Kate that McKinnon's definitely was like was she black and jumping jumping yeah. <laughs> <That was not laughs> yes. they're like i've heard that carrie washington is black too they're like no <laughs> that was hilarious it's true there's these certain black celebrities that like mainstream media likes to likes to like take as their own and I think that's why Beyonce's video meant so much to so many people without going on too much about it again was just the fact that she really was saying, no, from the beginning, I've been yours. Yeah. You know, I've been the, I've been that of my family, of my roots. I know where I came from. I'm not, I have not forgotten. And, and uh, it was, it was funny. SNL's the best. Yes. It, well, not the best, but it definitely represented in this moment in time. Hey, their cast has gotten a lot more diverse <laughs> now. They had yeah. four black people in that skit. Four. <laughs> not a whole four. they brought michael che back out from behind the desk although they still have it still bothers me too you know keenan who's a hilarious keenan thompson still plays the latino whenever they do stuff who was he this week i forgot <laughs> he plays um he plays david otunga no is that a real person no that's that's jennifer um hudson's husband who's the big poppy that baseball player Oh, I don't know anyway he plays a dominican baseball player and like, keenan i know he's black and dominicans can be black but he's but, not a Latino. Yes. They need to have some Latino talent. There's yes. got to be someone. Somebody funny who's Latino. Yeah, you're yes. right. So anyway, okay, fine. SNL won for this weekend, but they still on probation. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up the wraps up the Brown Ambition podcast for this week. We hope you enjoyed. I know a lot of you were fired up from our last podcast with um, our Beyonce talk. Hopefully you guys have a uh, calm down with some sage water and some, some, um, <laughs> some, some, I don't know. Sauce. Yes. Some hot sauce. <laughs> some hot hot sauce, hot sauce. And red lobster. Get some Cheddar Bay biscuits. Yes, honey. You will be all right. And Join relax. us next Tuesday. Cause you know, we're always here on Tuesdays and stay warm. If you are in a cold place. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.